Uh, I didn't really enjoy doing streeters. Um, <laughs> people don't want to talk about the election. I didn't take the fish from the goddamn water. The fishermen of the British Isles who came to Newfoundland during the summer months was codfishing people. The problem of survival. Hello and welcome to the Indie Podcast. I'm Editor-in-Chief Drew Brown and I'm here with my co-host Andy Bullman, producer Luke Quinton, and our 2021 election correspondent Alicia Mori. We're nearly at the end of week two in the 2021 Newfoundland and Labrador election, which is basically halfway through an election nobody wanted and everyone resents. Really accentuates the depth of our collective seasonal affective disorder. But at least the daylight is getting a little bit longer. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for this episode. We'll be talking with Alicia uh, Mori about her second week covering the campaign. Um, Andy and Luke went out yesterday to hear how some of you really feel about this winter election, so we'll be playing some of those. And last but not least, Andy and I will be talking with provincial NDP leader Allison Coffin about where the party's been since 2019 and where it might be going. But first, Andy, what is going on? Okay, we'll start internationally. We'll do a roundup. Joe Biden signs executive order on climate change, oil and gas extraction to be paused, wind energy expanded. So normally this would make me feel very cautiously optimistic. However, I think that feeling has died from me. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I'm more like cautiously pessimistic, I guess, as a general orientation. Um, I mean, that's sort of... I mean, it's nice to see that, wow, the United States of America is treating climate change like a real problem again after four years of like the opposite um but yeah i mean we'll we'll see where it goes the the climate plan does seem ambitious but i've also sort of seen you know like bloomberg was reporting that they're still handing out you know licenses to drill in the offshore in the united states and you know these executive orders expire in a few months so we'll see where things go but yeah it's 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 nice to you know not see american political news and immediately want to die so yeah. that's good. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Nationally, uh, Doug Ford wants all non-essential travel to Canada halted. He wants that to be implicated federally. Mm. And uh, he's quite concerned about the variants. And I think we all are. I don't yeah. think I've ever agreed with Doug Ford on anything. But yeah, I'm be, also worried. I mean, yeah. I mean, it would be really cool if, you know, Doug Ford was in a position to, like, do something to manage COVID at any point in the last nine months. But, hey, you know, he's, you know, late to the party is still showing up to the party, I guess. So that's fine. I'd like to develop, like, a game show. And it's called Could You Run Ontario? <laughs> or Would They Let You Run Ontario? And I bet they would. You <laughs> literally could not do any worse. <laughs> The Governor General of Canada, Julie Payette. Yeah, I think Payette, yep. Payette, I'm not totally sure how to pronounce it. And now I'm not going to have to learn, so that's awesome. <laughs> Quit after a report found she fostered a toxic work environment. And now we have no Governor General. And Canada has been thrust into anarchy. Oh, we haven't. Because we don't actually need a highly paid symbolic representation of a colonialist figurehead. So that's fine. Well, yeah. So <laughs> I'm of two minds about this. On the one hand, yeah, the monarchy belongs in a museum and not on, you know, our head of state. But uh, also everything in this country is built around the idea of the crown as capital C crown as the central organizing principle. So to like do something to like actually fix the governor generalship, you'd have to basically like dismantle and possibly reassemble Canada which is totally fine with me, but some people might have an issue with that. Let us know how you feel about <laughs> reassembling Canada. 
Uh, I'm mad about this pay ad thing for two reasons. I think, obviously, toxic workplaces are terrible. And she's making space look bad. And yeah. astronauts were one of the last things that I thought we could still. Uh, yeah, you know, like astronauts are supposed to be unimpeachably cool. So cool. But it sounds like maybe, not, not maybe, cool. maybe don't, maybe you can't make them the governor general. I don't know. That's, uh, that would be unfortunate because astronauts rock mostly. Yeah. Well, I think we really agreed on a few things. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page here. <laughs> but the importance of space. This election feels like it's been going on for um, decades now. Mm-hmm. It's our second week. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big issues this past week has been um, bullying claims, parachute candidates quitting the not quitting. That's what I've written down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, you know, this is the week where everyone finalizes your candidate list. Uh, some of the candidates were not prepared to finalize it, I guess, and then they did anyway because this is how far things have advanced. Josh Nolan, the PC candidate for Cartwright Lonzo Clare, announced he was running for the PCs in that district and then announced that he was stepping down for the PCs in that district because a liberal candidate was being bullied and he thought it would be hypocritical to participate in an election with bullying. Yes. And then the Chess Crosby didn't know anything about it and the campaign manager convinced joshua nolan to stay on so he was basically an anti-bullying stance and then was bullied back into well yeah i mean if we're taking this super liberal definition of bullying and to include literally anybody says something to you that does not conform to like your immediate desire in that moment yeah. uh yeah then yes he was bullied back into the race although you know I, yeah. again i think this is i think we've entered a real phase where like we've completely cheapened and maybe even destroyed the definition <laughs> of bullying in any political meaningful sense so cool really good it's great as a former name on ballot candidate myself i have a lot of sympathy for people who are put in maybe less fun political positions and then want to like back out at the first possible opportunity but you know as a general rule I don't know, man. You need a slightly better excuse than solidarity with cyberbullying, I think, um, especially when it's been so nebulous and not really anything that makes sense in a meaningful way. Takes away from, like, true claims of bullying. Yeah, I mean, like, so, like we've seen this election, like, you know, like, women candidates have dealt with a lot of, like, active harassment, um, yes. which is different than, you know, like, when someone, like, liking a comment on Facebook where you say, this guy's an idiot... Yeah. I mean, yeah, not maybe not like the nicest thing in the world you could do, but also like pretty several bars down below like active like harassment and like being terrorized. Yeah, if you're um, going to step down because you disagree with bullying, don't cite a heart emoticon on a Facebook post. Step down in solidarity with the women who are being harassed yeah. or just admit that you did not want to participate and you were bullied into this. pretty well thanks for having me oh no problem um how how's the uh, how's week two of the campaign going week two it has felt like decades <laughs> i'm just realizing some of the things i'm going to talk about happened just on friday which seems like an eternity ago oh well wow. but um yeah i guess we could 
dive into the criticism of the parachute candidate. So that was Devin Ryan in Torn Gap Mountains. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's not from the district. He's admitted that he's never visited the district. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of blowback about that yeah. on social media and um, just to what yeah. was referred to as bullying, right. depending yeah. on your definition. And that and that's because that region has a big indigenous population who would like to be represented yeah or you know like at least like you you know somebody who lives in like a remote labrador district very specific needs to that district you would hope that somebody representing you would at least be aware of absolutely yeah the basic geography of the district let alone the other stuff i mean you know it it is a fair criticism i think um maybe people should be nicer in expressing it sure but i think the fundamental point stands um yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And yeah. it's kind of brought into question, like, what is the value of running candidates in districts, like, right. for the sake of running a full yeah, slate? Yeah, just to have somebody on the ballot. Yeah. yeah. So that's something I'm going to be exploring today Excellent. a bit more, um, talking to some political science professors. Fun. And um, yeah, and other news from this week, there was a high-speed chase in Deer Lake, which we probably need to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was. Yeah. So th- basically. Um, like a guy came down from Bond Bay um, to Deer Lake to stop the election, quote mm. unquote. Um, they found, I think, was it like 35 knives? 36 in the guy's, 36 knives, knives yeah. in the guy's car, which is a, a lot of knives. Too many knives, actually. To yeah. yeah. Definitely too many knives. Way too many knives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To just have around you. Yeah. It's kind of ambiguous um, who he was targeting, and the, both the progressive conservatives and liberals made kind of conflicting statements yeah, about it. Did. Yeah, so. that's the, that's something that's really weird to me. So, like, the liberals kind of immediately came out and said, you know, like, current MHA, who is the premier, was the target, and, you know, we're very happy everything is okay. Um, they said that that's what the RCMP told them. Um, the RCMP said yesterday that they, they, they don't think there was a specific target other than just like everybody was a target. And they did, in fact, arrest um, this individual outside the office of the PC candidate. Hmm. Um, and that party said after talking to the police, they were satisfied that like nobody in particular was the target. So it's 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 a really weird situation. I yeah. mean, was it trying to get sort of strange sympathy votes? <sighs> Interesting. It's pretty unclear. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's bad all around for a, sure yeah, that this happened. Yes. <laughs> yeah. it's I think really that's what everyone agrees. Yeah, on. really ugly situation. Um, there's a report in the Canadian press today. They couldn't verify that the Facebook account they found with this individual's name located in Bombay was in fact the same guy. But they did find a Facebook profile for the individual that was full of, like, QAnon, Trump stuff about the stolen election in the States and how pedophile cabal of elite people are, you know, like, draining adrenochrome from babies to have orgies. That sort of real, just real, you know, the the real... The real high concept stuff. Uh, so, you know, whether this is a case of just like um, uh, an individual who's in varying degrees psychologically unwell or like actively brain poisoned by all of the digital like horrible stuff that's just been like pumped into the ecosystem over the last four years, but it has accelerated over the pandemic. Don't really know. Too soon to say, um, which is why it's really weird that political parties have been speculating over what this guy was doing when there isn't enough information yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> right so other other than the sort of like silly candidate stuff and then the extremely sort of serious like you know threat of violence um has there anything sort of like substantive been happening that like voters might care about 
So uh-huh. far, um, none of the parties have been overly keen to address the economic crisis in Newfoundland and Labrador yeah. in any substantive way. Mm-hmm. There's some announcements, and we're supposedly supposedly going to see a more substantive platform from the Liberals next week. Mm. And there's going to be a leaders' debate next Wednesday that's Excellent. aired on television. But yeah. Um, yeah, so far the Liberals have maintained pretty optimistic messaging, talking about telehealth services and they also plan to host a come home year in 2022 <sighs> to mm-hmm. rebuild tourism and encourage expats and remote workers to come back yeah so. i mean that sounds awesome we all love a good come home year um <laughs> which is i guess why every municipality in the province has been doing them for 50 years it is the least uh, original idea i've ever heard of in my life i mean sorry <laughs> yeah also. it's i mean yeah no it's it's a great it's a great idea we love it we want people to come visit but like also okay and uh, i don't know yeah, it's um, just not the time to be planning a party, you know. <laughs> yeah, let's like let's get the vaccine. You know, let's all get vaccinated first, and then we can see. Yes, I would have loved are. to see like a detailed vaccination plan instead of this party plan. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next week if if we get something like that. Mm-hmm. As for the PCs, Chess Crosby has been making some statements about reassessing agreements with the federal government on issues like equalization payments, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he's announced payroll tax cuts. So it's also not entirely clear what their economic plan really is but (laughs) maybe we'll see in the coming days yeah i mean i I find it really strange the pc announcement about like federal relationships is really funny frankly because it's sort of like on the one hand it's like yeah you know we need all the stuff from ottawa we need to fix equalization we need them to give us a bailout we need them to support oil and gas we need them to you know like fix muskrat falls but also i'm going to tell them to fuck off because we need to stand up to Ottawa at the same time as we desperately need them to help us. So it's a little bit like, okay, so like which which one is it? I mean, yeah, there. I think it's fair to take issue maybe with the liberal approach of like, we're best friends with Ottawa, so they'll do what we say, because that doesn't quite seem to be the case here. But yeah, I think the idea that like it'll get better if we like are meaner to Ottawa. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, it's uh, hopefully we can get Chess in here because I really want to ask him about that specifically. But uh, we'll see how that goes. As for the NDP, they made an announcement that they're planning to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2022. But at the same time, they've promised to remove the 3%, 3% tax on small businesses. So. Yeah. And that's how they'll, small businesses will be able to survive paying people $15 an hour is because of save money, saving money on tax cuts? I think that's the idea yeah, I think with that's their the impli- messaging. That's the implication for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean... Sure. Yeah. Sounds sounds good. We'll sounds uh, like that could work. Maybe we'll yeah. we'll find out later when we talk yeah. to Allison Coffin, I suppose. Yeah. Beyond that, um, the deadline to vote by mail is February second. You can do that on the Elections NL website, um, and you can register online with your name and address. And you need to have a picture of some form of ID or two forms showing your mm-hmm. full name and your current address. Nice so, PSA. I Yes, that's yeah, definitely a great PSA. That is yeah. a good PSA. I think I'm still going to do the traditional in-person voting because you want that selfie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. I, I have some specific messages to spoil my ballot with. I think. So <laughs> I believe in doing that in person. They will have COVID distancing measures in place on election day itself. So oh, excellent. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, you know, I'm sure it'll be fairly safe to go to the school gym and vote. But uh, I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens in the next two weeks. Yeah. You never know on an election. I vote at a church. Oh, nice. Which is interesting. I, I always find it really interesting. I'm like, that, it's just strange to me that, that we've chosen this space. But I mean, there's parking and 
I guess yeah. that's it. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, you need a big sort of like common room, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it's not like they're being used. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. It's a lot of empty spaces <laughs> in churches these days. A lot of empty views. Yeah, that's the main roundup, I would say, of this week in provincial politics. Awesome. Yes. Excellent. Um, yeah, that's that's great. And uh, I'm very excited to read the next uh, district focus yes. on St. John's Center. Yeah. As well as the the piece about the you know the value of parachute candidates in the full slate. I think yeah, that's be gonna really be a cool. great piece. I'm really excited um, for that too. Yeah, the Mount the Mount Sile profile was excellent, and I think went over super well. So I'm really excited to see what people would say in St. John's Center. Yeah, definitely. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. going yeah okay cool um we're out we're asking people what they think about the elections we're trying to get like a general feel for the emotions people have about the upcoming provincial election in newfoundland and labrador and we are on duckworth street yeah hey how are you doing good can i bother you for a second i'm excited to hear what the person on the street has to say about this fucking bullshit election hi what's your name uh matt and are you planning on voting in the provincial election? Uh, yes, I believe so. I haven't thought about it all that much uh, yet, to be honest. Any idea which way you're leaning or any like election issues that you've on your mind? Uh, no, not really. I, I kind of, it was, yeah, I kind of just realized that it was going on. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Have any candidates come to your door yet? No, they haven't, actually. Okay. Well, I th- sort of think that does sort of speak to this election. I really honestly keep thinking right yeah no i just i'm just very busy with graduate studies so i haven't really engaged but uh i'll uh, intercultural german studies awesome well thanks for chatting with us okay thanks so much no problem sorry (laughs) you're probably gonna hear me get rejected like eight times yeah a lot of this is like luke telling me to like um don't get don't let them say no And I was like, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I was giving them an out every time. <laughs> okay, I th- yeah, I think people are going to mostly feel indifferent about this election because it's a snap election. There's a lot of things going on. I don't think, I think most of our responses are going to be, like, non-committal. Uh, and I think people are finding the election, if they're not on Twitter, they're finding the election doll. <laughs> that's my prediction. Okay, should I try? Um, yeah. Okay. Hi. Could, can I chat to you for a second? We're just talking to people about the upcoming election. Uh, I'm actually working right now. Oh, I'm no sweat. Okay. <laughs> I do want to check. I got to get back to work. Okay. Thank you. I feel like this is going to end up being a clip of us getting rejected like eight yeah, times. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> got that one guy. Yeah. <laughs> we got that one guy, <laughs> German grad student. Okay. Intercultural German. Hi. Yes. We're just asking people about the election. Do you have a minute? A second. Oh, Not just one, just one second. Okay, go ahead. Okay. General thoughts about the election so far. Um, I don't know how to vote. I don't, I'm just 
keep paying attention to the leaders. Uh, it would be nice to see a report. I don't. I think it's a really good idea to consult with all these experts in the industry. But I think that if you're going to call an election, you should be able to give us some information. Do you think the spring budget is going to be dismal? I think there was something yesterday that said it won't be brutal. So I guess it's all it's 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 a personal opinion. Yeah. <laughs> What's the definition of brutal? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I find very helpful. Long johns. I know. That's such a boy suggestion. There's no. There's, you just can't wear long johns. Under skinny girl jeans. It's really impossible. Yeah, they're not gonna fit. Yeah. Gotta get you some mom jeans. No. Okay. <laughs> 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 Oh, I'm old. I'm not that old. <laughs> okay. Oh. Yeah, just generally trying to get a feel for how people feel about the upcoming election. How do you feel? Honestly, I have no thoughts on it right now. I haven't put a ton of effort into it. I think that's really understandable. It sort of came on to people like very quickly. Not unexpectedly, no. But uh, just haven't put the time into doing much reading about the candidates and everybody. So until then, I don't really have any opinions on who's who's in the best place right now. Thanks, though. Yeah. <laughs> Hi there. We're doing a podcast, a political podcast, and we're just inter interviewing people about how they feel about the upcoming election. Would it be okay? Like, do you have some thoughts on it? Is that going to be on TV or not like that? No, no, no. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay, cool. First of all, you work for Alison Coffin, so. Okay, that's okay, I think, right? Uh, <laughs> Is it? I mean, yeah, she can say something. Okay, well, what's, what's your name? Lisa. Lisa. Okay, how do you feel about the upcoming election? Excited. Yeah? Yeah, very excited, yeah. Have you been going door to door with? Elsa, yes, I have been, yeah. Mostly doing um, call-outs. I'm more or less the secretary. It's the first person they see when they come in the office. I can direct them to where they're going to. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're excited. You feel like the NDP has a good shot this time around? I do so, yeah. Yeah? How many seats yeah. do you think they're going to take? Um, probably three. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. Maintain their... Maintain what they got there now is what I'm, you know, what I'm thinking, yeah. Great. And yeah. What's your, for you personally, what's your main issue that you're concerned about in this election that you'd like to see addressed? Uh, $15 an hour. Uh, pay equity, um, paid sick days for people. We're going through really trying times here now, and when people, uh, you know, are out of work and they don't get paid, they suffer, and they should be, you know, should be out there. That's mo most of my issues are there. Great. Yeah, Thank home care, elderly, all good stuff. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. See you later. According to the NDP, the NDP are doing great. <laughs> awesome. Why do people not vote, you think? Like, Let's ask this guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, oh, I'm just like it. trying not to get the thing. Oh, no, I think he's walking away from us. It's all good. Which I don't blame him. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, yeah. I don't know why people don't vote. It is, uh... I feel like you don't know anything yeah. about you know, the current state of things. I guess it can be nerve-wracking to think about that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't believe in the process. Yeah. Like, I, like, I think a lot of people feel like there's no difference between the Liberals and there's no difference between the PCs, yeah. and they're not going to vote. Yeah. yeah.
Where are you going to go? <laughs> I'm going to go this way. Okay. Are you okay to take this? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, I think I got enough stuff. Maybe. Yeah. Do you want to say yeah. something? Yeah. Uh, I didn't really enjoy doing streeters. Um, <laughs> people don't want to talk about the election. They don't care. It's cold. <laughs> kind of get it. I guess I'm done. <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> Yeah, so myself and Andy are here to interview NDP leader Alison Coffin. She's been leader of the party since almost immediately prior to the 2019 election. And uh, so this is her second go around in as many months. And uh, yeah, we're going to find out what she thinks about some fairly pressing issues. So how's the campaign going? It um, feels really, really good. Uh, very well organized, fabulous slate of candidates, and people on the doors are very welcoming and embracing, having great dialogue. It, it feels like a good election campaign. Excellent. Yeah, no, that's that's good. So, uh, yeah, so um, what would you say has been your favorite part so far? I, I, I love being on the doors. I really like talking to people in their homes, uh, answering their questions, and getting feedback on the work I've been doing so far and what's mm -hmm. important to them. That, that's incredibly invigorating. So, you know, at 8 o'clock at night when you're a little bit cold and you're knocking on a door and you get good response, you realize, yeah, this is, this is why I'm doing this and, and this is where the meaning is. Yeah. Excellent. In your sort of travels as you're going around meeting people at the door, what has been the main issue that has been coming up? Oh, my goodness. Um, there's not one in particular. Certainly a lot of the ones that we've, we've heard over and over again. Affordability is really important. A lot of people very concerned about um, muskrat falls and rate mitigation. number of people concerned about debt and deficit. Um, and everybody is very concerned about uh, what could potentially be in the, uh, the, the Dame Green report. So a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of concern around that. Right. Um, so the 2019 election turned out to be a, a fairly big success for the NDP. Uh -huh. um, you know, your party was a power broker in a minority legislature, which mm -hmm. doesn't tend to happen very often. <laughs> um, so can you tell us um, what what the party's achieved in this position since 2019? And, uh, uh, that was a largely a very frustrating endeavor. Um, we, we did get some small gains, but a lot of that stuff was kind of behind the doors. Um, mm -hmm. What happened was uh, when, when the, the change of leadership came about, Mm -hmm. uh, any headway that we had made under the Ball administration, and, and that was kind of minuscule, um, then that, that hastily went by the wayside as he was uh, stepping out, there was less interest in collaboration, and, and Fury has, has said the words, but I think as I've used before, he said uh, the, the drawbridge is up and the moat is full of alligators, so <laughs> collaboration has been difficult. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, collaboration was sort of a big feature of this uh, past session. Um, there were a number of all-party committees, I think, struck. Um, mm -hmm. So there was the Democratic Reform one, the COVID one, and the... You Working basic income, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so do you think um, these have been effective, um, and why or why not? A, a quick update on those: uh, yeah. the uh, universal basic income. We we passed the legislation around that, but the committee was never struck right. because that came just before we broke for Christmas. Mm -hmm. So we didn't actually even put people on that. We didn't even form up that mandate, shore up the mandate a little bit. And now that the House of Assembly has been dissolved. 
that committee has also been dissolved. So that needs to be resurrected when we get back into the House of Assembly because that was mm -hmm. such an important thing. And remember, all parties agreed to it. We had unanimous uh, agreement that that was an important piece. Mm -hmm. um, moving on to democratic reform, uh, excellent initiative. We did make a fair bit of headway, but that too has fallen by the wayside when the mm -hmm. House of Assembly dissolved. So all of that work hopefully can be resurrected again. Uh, but. It, again, when the House goes away, mm -hmm. as do these select committees go away. Um, and then the joint COVID committee, at the very beginning, that was that was a very good initiative. Everyone came together, we brought our ideas together, we made decisions together with the, the guidance of the chief medical officer. What's happened since, because the, the committee kind of fell apart over the summertime when the, house, the number of cases diminished, uh, as cases started to rise again and we brought it back together, um, that was largely in name only and it became very much an informative thing mm -hmm. as opposed to a collaborative initiative. So again, under the Fury administration, it, it was less of a joint task force and well, we'll get together once a week and we'll tell you what we're doing and you can ask us some questions then. Why do you think it's changed under Fury? I, I, he wants a majority government. I don't think he likes the idea of a minority government. And um, I mean, all of my attempts to collaborate have, have fallen on deaf ears. So I, I, I'm, I'm rather disappointed with that. And I, I know you're hearing the election messaging of we need a liberal majority to do the things we need to do. And, and I think that's perhaps the best argument to not have a liberal majority. I, I, I think that you need the voices of New Democrats there, and a minority government forces us all to come together and make those decisions together. And and you know, I for one would look forward to a, a minority government. It, yeah. Perfect. Um, so, so just to bring it back a little bit to the the democratic reform question. Sure. Um, so this election so far, we've seen the premier come out quite firmly in defense of uh, the province's normal democratic processes. <laughs> um, obviously, um, in your role with the Democratic Reform Committee, you feel there could probably be some improvements made to what is normal. Yes, um, so absolutely. Yeah, so, so yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit, uh, I'm interested to know what reforms like specifically do you want to see and like what were you or what do you have pushed for um, on part of the committee? Well, uh, part of the committee, the committee has, has kind of moved to a lot of campaign finance reform, so we've talked an awful lot about that, which mm -hmm. is good because you, you get uh, a lot of biases are removed when you do that. But we, we also need to put a new mechanism in place to ensure that maybe there's a vote subsidy. So so you can still work and, and, and run in politics and not have to take out huge loans, uh, but uh, to remove a lot, of the, uh, you know, a lot of the partisanship that comes on around... In, in the background. So I think that's a key piece. Some other things that I think democratic reform could do um, is fix the election date and, and really fix the election date and give people a little bit of lead time. Um, we've had some very good conversations with um, Equal Voice, advocates for more women in politics. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they are consistent with in their messaging is ensure that uh, we have a fixed election date because women can then plan for them. Largely, they're responsible for household, uh, a lot of household responsibilities, preparing for childcare, balancing their budgets, making sure that enough money is coming in. Um, a, a snap election means that it's really hard to prepare for those things. You might say, well, we knew the election was going to be sometime this spring. 
but you need something more definitive than that. So you, you need to know that all right, I can call Nan or I can make alternative childcare arrangements and those things can't be turned on a dime so quickly. Plus women often have a more difficult time trying to raise funds. So a little bit more lead time and knowing exactly when that's gonna happen, they can raise funds a little bit more uh, appropriately. And, and it just allows women to plan for that a little bit better. And, and women are naturally planners. They, they you know they're the ones that often organize like so the children are out and they've got their lunches and their clothes and they're ready for for a sports day or whatever um and and by being coy and saying we're going to do it within the election time period does not allow women to prepare nearly as well um and if you want at the same time <clears throat> here's a little thing that's happened as well the election was called on a friday at 6 p.m mm. So that means that we have a weekend and then another weekend as we are trying to get candidates. So you have two weekends where it's often some difficult to do a lot of preparation, plus a lot of campaigning happens on the weekends. So by having the election on a Saturday, you've actually decreased the campaign time. So, so we're kind of stacking the odds a little bit um, for the, towards the people who've actually called that election. So th there's a great many reforms that could make uh, the democratic process a little bit more democratic, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, uh, so just to clarify, would you say the SNAP elections are gendered? I, I think that's a, a reasonable statement to make. Absolutely, it certainly biases um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the candidates towards being male. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I have a question. Um, sure. Okay. <laughs> Just pulling it up. Yep, we're good. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Take your time. Okay. So we're seeing a lot of action right now being taken in the states towards moving away from oil and gas. Mm -hmm. We're seeing campaigns being run on the promises of more oil and gas, and we're going to fix oil and gas. <sighs> what specific reforms would you make to take these skilled workers in oil and gas and retrain them into the green economy? What are some actual programs or actual steps? And because we, we just hear the idea that these people can be retrained, but I, people are dealing in vague terms. An excellent example is ROV operators. So, so these remote, um, the remote vehicle operators. So, so they they send these subsea, um, uh, I guess. ROVs out to map ocean floors, and they're using that for exploration for oil and gas development. There is an enormous amount that we do not know about the ocean floor. Let's change what we're looking for to let's look at what's happening on the ocean floor and how can we preserve that ecosystem and how can we explore that ecosystem. So maybe do that in conjunction with something like the Marine Institute, Memorial University, and, and um, maybe uh, uh, across even international lines when we talk about other agencies who are looking at ocean exploration and refocus that same skills, but to, to do a different type of exploration. And I think we're gonna be much better off as a result of that. Do you have any sort of um, idea for, like what kind of time frame um, a green transition, say, would work? I mean, considering how sort of like heavily dependent the province is on oil and gas right now. Um, <laughs> when can we not be? Is, I mean, that, yeah. that's a really difficult target to hit, but we need to start moving away from that right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly what I've been hearing in the House of Assembly is we're all in on advanced oil 2030. 
and, and no one is really giving a whole lot of thought or planning to how are we going to start moving away from that oil? We're all, we're, we're, if, if we're going to pile all of our money into the development of oil industries, then, then that's not going to work. So right now, we need to talk about how are we going to diversify our economy? How are we going to become less oil dependent? And part of that means we have to start generating revenues elsewhere, which could mean secondary and tertiary processing of our natural resources. So um, uh, fish, for one, is a really good one. Mining as well. Uh, so, so moving uh, into different industries and higher value industries are important. Moving to technology is important too. So I, I think reinvesting some of these, um, some of the monies now that we uh, we talk about in these bid parcels back into more seismic testing is, is perpetuating that same thing. So maybe we need to start talking about taking some of that money that was for these oil exploration parcels mm -hmm. and moving that into a green economy right now is going to help start <laughs> making that transition. And I think that's key. Also putting, uh, putting in place those programs that will help people train for green jobs is really important. So we have lots of carpenters and electricians and plumbers who can be trained to retrofit houses, uh, to you know install um, uh, solar panels and heat pumps and better insulation and all of those things. So minor retraining of existing skills start moving us away from that. And we also need to start balancing our budget a little bit more. That's not totally dependent on oil revenues, right? Yes, absolutely. Use what we have and all the investments we have, but then don't continue to put more and more into it. Start moving away from that. And that has to happen sooner rather than later. Um, okay, so I found this. I went in the archives and I looked up uh -oh. editorial comics from the last 70 years. Oh my goodness. Yes. And um, this is from 1977. It's an editorial comic. It was in the Daily News, RIP. And uh, it is a Newfoundland debtor's prison. Um, Premier Dottie is in the uh, jail cell and he's reaching for a giant key that says fishery and offshore oil. And this is from 77, so oh, we've dear. been looking for the same <laughs> solutions for a long time. Why do you think it's so hard for us to learn this lesson, to learn? I, I think because we're on a political time scale, which is four years or less, we're at two right now. Uh, and, uh, and, and to transform fisheries and offshore oil, you need to have a much longer time frame, and you need to make your decisions uh, generations down the road. Like the idea of making decisions based on seven generations, how Will this affect seven generations really gets us away from I need to get reelected and, and and you go on these four-year cycles so I think this is one of the reasons that we keep getting caught up in this and getting caught up in this same perpetuation of, of you know we're all in on this one thing I mean and 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 we know what happened to the fishery and poor planning <laughs> and now look what happened to offshore oil poor planning yet again so better planning is is hopefully going to get us away from this one yeah, you're welcome. And I was seven when that happened, so you know, don't have full recall. <laughs> negative 10, I think. Oh, my goodness. Eight. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so actually, um, speaking of uh, planning and large-scale economics problems, it's a great segue. Um, you know, I mean, as we have sort of touched on briefly and everybody kind of knows, um, you know, Newfoundland Labrador is in a real serious financial bind, uh -huh. um, you know, between the looming costs of Muskrat Falls, um, the economic fallout from the ongoing pandemic, and, you know, the, the spiral costs of just paying down, like, interest on the debt, um, 
it, things are things are pretty desperate. Um, I mean, you've obviously sort of expressed, you know, some I think merited skepticism of the uh, Moya Green report and the Premier's <laughs> Economic Recovery Task Force. Just a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, at, at the same time, the question's sort of like, okay, so we're sort of skeptical of that process, and what what would be the NDP's alternative um, vision for economic recovery in the province? Well, let's put the people at the table who are actually going to be involved in the recovery. Like, um, I think. There was not an MHA on the PERT. <laughs> not one. And we are the people who are going to be ultimately responsible for that. And we are the ones that who are most connected to our constituents. So, so it's kind of important to have perhaps at least one MHA in that process. Mm -hmm. uh, but engage the people more. I mean, we're hearing this is cloaked in secrecy and being and decisions made by a hand-picked team that arguably does not represent everyday people. I mean, yes, it comes from a, uh, across a broad range of individuals and there's a great deal of expertise there. But more, most recently, we've seen that labor is not at the table. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we've heard um, folks like Nate saying we were consulted, and I mean, to use that word incredibly, incredibly gently, uh, they were essentially told what was about to happen. Uh, it, bringing public servants in and asking them what works for them is, is hugely important. Talking to municipalities about how they can be engaged in that process would probably be beneficial instead of telling them what's best for municipalities. No one really responds particularly well to that. And, and you'll also note that mm -hmm. there's not an economist on the economic recovery team. That is an interesting <laughs> idea. Um, I mean, I guess, the so I mean, the, the Premier's counter argument has basically been um, the, the task force is just going to produce recommendations, which will then be debated in the House of Assembly. So that, I guess, is sort of where the ultimate responsibility lies. Um, and that's why we need a majority government. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah. We need a minority government. If we're going to debate this in the House, um, if this is the liberal task force on economic recovery, and then we want a liberal majority, we can debate it uh, till the cows come home. That alternative voice is not going to be appropriately represented in those recommendations, whether or not they are enacted. So I think it's absolutely vital to include the people who are going to be affected by this the most at the table in making those recommendations. I mean, you you know anything about uh, if you write the question, you can write a question to get the answer you want. I've taught enough courses to know that. Yeah. <laughs> and we saw that, you know, and, and a really good example of that is um, the Muskrat Falls question. Right. I mean, that, that was totally a question written to get a very specific response. And I'm, I'm very afraid that this, this uh, Dame Moya report is, is walking us much down the same path. That's, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's an interesting point to put forward the idea that, you know, in order for the House of Assembly to actually a sort of like democratic oversight, it, it requires a minority government. It's, it sounds like, yeah. that's, you know, I, th I think that's probably what needs to happen, right? And everybody then needs to be engaged in that process. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a super interesting. A super <laughs> Look at interesting that, argument. a novel perspective. The yeah. people who are going to be affected by the recovery should be involved in, in developing uh, the recovery. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. 
let's say the NDP wins the provincial election. Oh my let's goodness. just say, pie okay, in the sky. All right, all right, yeah, all right, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> what are the first two policy actions you would take? Oh boy, um, that was, that's really hard because we have a couple of really good grab bags that we need to do. $15 an hour minimum wage, I think that's absolutely vital and we need to get our head around rate mitigation. Everybody is sitting on the edge of their seats going, I'm not sure if I can heat my home. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna affect everybody universally. I don't care how much money you make. So on those on those points, I mean, I think um, rate mitigation in particular sort of seems like we're going to need some help from the federal mm-hmm. government. Um, so you, you feel the same way, I guess. Absolutely. That, I mean, we, we can't do this on our own. We, we do not have the capacity. And um, the, the, the federal oversight when it came to the loan guarantee, I'm, I'm afraid that was just an exercise as opposed to a real rigorous analysis of what actually happened. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, you know, I think that they were a little complicit in it as well. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that should score me some good points when I go to negotiate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, We're not sure how many people listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sure, the prime is like tapped right into the RSS feed. Right as soon as the sort of hears, it's like that coffin. What did yeah. she do? Yeah, it's good. But they're really important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess sort of the the other follow up question to that is uh, on the minimum wage piece. Sure. Um, so you sort of suggested that lower taxes for small businesses might help offset Absolutely. any pain from the mm-hmm. minimum wage. So. Um, can you explain how that would work and how that's different than, say, like the, the progressive conservative um, proposition to cut payroll taxes to, yeah. I mean, cutting payroll taxes is one part of it as well. Uh, But uh, we thought that the first and easiest thing to do is just cut the tax on small business. We know that a small business is defined as anyone who um, right now, according to the government, is um, able to access the 3% reduction on corporate income tax on their net earnings under $500,000. So it's a bit of an accounting technicality, but it gives us a really definitive idea of who's going to be targeted there. So businesses will be able to say, well, that's totally me. Um, and, and I think that's a reasonable thing. If we take the taxes off that, then that's going to give uh, these small businesses a little bit more capacity to address that. Um, now, I mean, it, the conservatives are saying, well, we're going to get rid of the payroll tax. That's lovely, but that's not guaranteeing that those people who are working in these stores, who, who if they're lucky, are getting 40 hours a week quite often they're they're capped at 32 so employers and these are some larger employers uh, don't have to pay additional benefits associated with that right so I, I think increasing the wage puts more money in people's pockets right now and that's hugely important I mean if you are working you should have the ability to do what you want with your money. You can choose to you know, spend it on a winter coat, which is what I'm hearing from some people who say, if I had a little bit more money, I'd buy a winter coat. That's huge. So, so being able to give individuals the right to choose what they want to do with their money is really important. But they have, need to have more money, and that money will then get circulated right back into the local economy again. Yeah. Perfect. Maybe we need a coat. And you get, <laughs> yeah, they're expensive. Yeah, yeah, yes, they are, yes. But they're good. on sale right now because it's you know, <laughs> winter has passed in most other places, but we're just getting into it now. Okay, okay. Um, right. So, so we've seen this week um, both the Liberals and Tories have rolled out their uh, tourism platforms. Um, the 
PCs, I think, are really sort of leaning on this vacation idea, whereas the liberals have um, proposed that 2022 will be this great come home year. Um, what what would the NDP sort of propose to? I would talk to tourism operators. I would talk to people who provide transportation in and around our province. And, and I would see what is most important for them. I mean, realistically, um, I, I, I think in 2022, we might be through the worst of COVID. But there are variants here that uh, we're not sure if the vaccine is going to work, although we've had some, there, there are some glimmers of light along the way. Uh, but, but there's talk now that COVID might be with us for a very, very long time. So talking about what we need to talk about there is not let's just bring more people into the provinces how can we adapt our tourism industry to ensure that people can get into Newfoundland and Labrador safely and travel around our province without uh, without any fear of you know passing along COVID to to a very vulnerable populations in our society so it's not just as simple as it's come home year um, I think that's pretty short-sighted I think what we need is that comprehensive plan to ensure people coming into Newfoundland Land and Labrador are safe, and we put uh, the, the safety of Newfoundland and Labradorians absolutely first. Yeah. Traveling, like travel infrastructure, is quite bad here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, I think that's exactly how you say okay. it. <laughs> it's uh, terrible. And, uh, um, it's very difficult to get to places. You, you have to have a car here. Yep. Uh, how how can we move away from that? Does the NDP have a plan for sort of a world? Like better travel infrastructure. In I, I think that one might be a little bit longer. I mean, if you're talking yeah. about bringing back the rail, rail program, <laughs> like I mean, yes, is that what you were trying to do there? Um, I, 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 How'd she know? <laughs> I mean, listen, like the the Newfoundland needs trains account is it's our favorite. It's, oh, I really? Mean, it's really oh, okay. there's you know, some I, real deep seated influencing doing online. I mean, I've heard that echoed again and again and again. And I mean, we're not going to be able to just like, hey, well, we got the roadbed when we just put trains on top of it because trains are so much more modern now and they would need much more infrastructure yes. to install that that needs to be more of the 10-year <laughs> plan and so let, we can we can say that but i mean we do need ferry service because going to fogo island or going to francois or going anywhere should be easy and accessible so let's have good signage and let's and so you are a hundred kilometers from the ferry go get yourself a snack there's going to be a washroom when you get there and by the way if you want to catch the fogo ferry make sure you're in the lineup and don't let anyone pass you on the gander bay highway <laughs> <laughs> because you've been there right right so on the uh, on the note of a 10-year plan um what does newfoundland labrador look like 10 years from now in your view people are being paid a living wage we have access to um child care that is um you know, affordable for everyone um what else looks good in Newfoundland and Labrador? We, we've got our revenues and expenditures sorted out. Our economy is uh, generating revenue from a diverse uh, a, a diverse number of industries, so we don't have all our eggs in the offshore oil basket. Um, we are more technologically advanced. We have good roads. People want to come here to visit. Houses are affordable. Our population is growing, uh, is increasing. People are having babies and staying in Newfoundland. Um. I want to show you another. Oh my goodness! Okay. Oh my goodness! You did way more homework when you came before you came here, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this is from '96, oh, and okay. I'm just going to describe <clears throat> it. There's a giant bus that says "Vote Liberal." There's a van that says "Vote PC," 
and there's a tricycle that says vote NDP. And this is from 96. Yeah, 96. 96. Yeah. All right. It, it, I have a minivan now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. To, to me, it, um, this could have this been printed um, in 2019. This, mm-hmm. to, because the NDP party has not made giant inroads. What do you think is stopping voters from it's red or blue in this province? What's the what's the... I, I think they haven't seen or haven't been able to um, really see themselves embodied in new democratic policy. Uh, and I think in the last year and a half, with myself and Jim Din and Jordan Brown, we've really made great strides in showing people what new Democrats do stand for. We've built on what everyone else has been doing, all, all of our predecessors. And, and I think our message has started to resonate in, in, in a much greater way all across Newfoundland and Labrador. People are talking about the issues that are important to us, People are being able to see themselves embodied in our policies. And, and that's a huge thing for us, absolutely. We were saying on the walk down here that it seems like the, a lot of the parties aren't interested in engaging the youth vote. Mm-hmm. Um, often campaigns start in senior citizen homes. The debate is on television, but it's not on a university campus. On Prince Edward Island, they debate at a brewery. Oh, but, and, and there's a fun time. I bet the debates are a little bit more rowdy, aren't they're they? They're quite lively. <laughs> and um, the youth turnout to the debate is huge. Yeah, and fantastic. It, yeah, and they, they <clears throat> open it up to questions. Yeah. And it's really exciting. You watch 18-year-olds ask questions. It, it's, they're engaged in the process. Yeah. Um, what has the NDP been doing to engage the youth vote? Uh, well, we, we are listening to the things that are important to them, certainly uh, low tuition rates, improving the access to uh, grants and loans, having more uh, research grants available for folks who are in university, um, the environment. I mean, we are the only party taking some serious uh, aim at environmental policies and what needs to happen to ensure that in seven generations there will be a Newfoundland and Labrador here for everyone. So we're listening to those pieces, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and have you seen the number of young people that are running for our party? I mean, I mean we have loads. And I mean, Jordan Brown is an excellent example of a, a young man who brings new ideas to our party. Plus, he also has uh, two young girls. And, 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 and that is a good reminder of why we are making a lot of the decisions that we're making. So, so I think in increasing the number of youth that we are listening to, a higher representation of youth as MHAs, and, and, and just incorporating the policies that are important to youth into our platforms um, will help improve uh, responding to, to youth and engaging youth, and, and we're hearing that, yeah. Plus, I've also been pretty good about identifying band T-shirts, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Totally helps. Italy <laughs> did not expect coming into a politician interview and getting recognition for the fucking Joy Division show. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Awesome. Hey. Fingers <laughs> on the pulse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey. 40-year-old bands. Absolutely. Yeah, remember, I grew up with them, yeah. you know. Fair point. <laughs> Um, Fingers on on a pulse. April, yes. Definitely. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that was basically all the main stuff that uh, I sort of wanted yeah, to I think we've got yeah. some. I think we got some fringe stuff there, too. Hey, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Can I just shoot you a couple, um, like... Random s- questions? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, I, this is Unfiltered Allison. Come okay. on. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, favorite pop singer? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Ah. 
these are hard questions. Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite. I, I'm not good with favorites because that's often a timely thing, right? Right. So yeah, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> Pop singer you'd most like to see in concert. I'm going to go see Jody Richardson tonight, and he's doing a Stones tribute. Does that count? I would say it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been so removed from music for it's such okay. a long time. I've been like self-flagellating. You need to listen to good music again. Uh, would, you, would you consider getting on TikTok? Uh, yes, absolutely. I hear that's a good time. And I, I did do a, a, a TikTok video. I was um, the guy on the skateboard with the, the, the cranberry. Yes. Okay, so I took uh, did a little uh, Allison twist on that, and I am skating in my hockey gear and taking swigs of purity syrup. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you can check that out. Yeah, you're TikTok. taking your yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. have to. Yeah, I'm talking. Do you think uh, purity is going to give you the same sort of lifetime I, you know, supply of I, I'm not sure or... if I need that much sugar in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, purity syrup is always a Christmas treat, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, if someone was going to do you uh, on like sketch twenty, like catch uh, this hour twenty two minutes, do an Allison impersonation, who would you cast? Oh my goodness! Can I say Mark Delahunty? Yeah. Someone actually has compared me. She said um, Allison is a lot like a combination between um, Arlene Dickinson and Mark Delahunty, and I went, Oh my god! I think they might be right. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. nodding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a real that's a real visual metaphor. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite thing to cook? Ooh, uh, I, I, I am renowned for my um, super chocolate chip cookies, okay. as well as I do a version of a cream puff that I stuff with um, curried chicken, cream cheese, green onions, and toasted almonds. And they have been invited to a party before I am sometimes. <laughs> Can you come and bring the cream puffs? <laughs> uh, do you have any pets? Uh, no, I don't have any pets now. I, I, I've been a dog lover for a really long time, and I've had a couple of dogs. Not recently. Last dog I had was, um, um, they were brown dogs. <laughs> uh, the big guy was um, a Mastiff Rottweiler cross, and the other one was Husky Hound Shepherd. Brown dog. <laughs> Those are real big dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you could redecorate in the House of Assembly, what would you change? Oh, we'd brighten up the colors a little bit, I think. Yeah. <laughs> the lighting needs to change. And the seats, all the seats need to be re redone. Um, the leather is worn on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I have a question, actually. Um, earlier. Um, what is something about the, like working in the house that outsiders wouldn't figure? Like, what's something that they wouldn't expect that you found uh, since you've been I think what surprised me the most was the, the amount of discussion that goes on when the camera is not on you in the House of Assembly, which, I mean, if you've been up in the gallery, you totally see yeah. that. So the camera's just on the one person, but oftentimes if we're trying to pass a bill and it's like, well, you know, we need to pass this bill. Well, if we modify this bill this way, then, then we'll agree to it. So a lot of that happens on the sidelines, and um, I'm learning that one. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a, a key thing, and you've seen that bit. That's happening. 
sitting a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sitting in the yeah. press gallery, you notice that, uh, like, the camera's on one person, but there's all the best heckling happens off camera. Yeah. <laughs> it totally um, does. Yeah, all and, the, uh, and that sometimes can be very distracting as well, right? Yeah. Like, um, someone made a bit of a snide remark to me one day. The last time we passed, the last piece of legislation we passed was the, um, the unlocking of pensions. And I grilled the minister. And, and rightly so. I mean, I was asking questions about how many people would this affect and how is this going to affect women and, and what are the dollar values? And, and really hard on a lot of the questions. Several of the other MHAs, I noticed, were chattering throughout this. They were disengaged in the process. And then when I was done, I think someone made a snide remark of, that's not going to get you reelected. And I was like, it's not about getting reelected. It's about making sure that the policy does what it's supposed to do, it's going to affect the right people, and that the regulations that come as a result of this are, are doing what it is supposed to do and, and, and there's not any any room to I guess change them or change the intent of them and and uh, I, I think that's a, a key thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think that, that basically covers, I don't know, that covers all the questions we're, I prepared. We're doing pretty good. You got yeah. another cartoon or anything? <laughs> 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 this one feels relevant. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I this is this from 96. Ooh, okay. Oh, oh, and nice. it's like Rock. everything is being cut, everything is being cut, and then elections. Oh, spend, spend, yeah, spend. Isn't that Right? So we heard like one, two, three, education, hospitals, jobs, cut, cut, cut. So we're hearing this maybe coming from the Green Report. Um, were either one of you doing one of the tallies on the number of announcements that we got right before and the lead up to Ritrop? Yeah, I think, it was about, it was, I think it was like 33, I think 33 press releases in like the 36, yeah, right? in the 36 yeah. hours before right. the election. Right, there you call. go, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, it rather is, right? So it's, it's, it's like, you know, on one hand, we know that we need to reform how we spend and what we spend on, it doesn't necessarily mean cuts. It just means making slightly different choices and, and, and deciding to put your money here as opposed to over in this particular area. And, and, and then, you know, these election promises keep rolling out and rolling out. And, and yeah, you know, for anyone who's just listening by the wayside, you know, I can imagine that they're, they're conflicted with the message for sure. So it, it's good that you guys are doing tallies like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's get the counter going, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. The rest are not as relevant to the situation. I more just liked them. Yeah. <laughs> that was no, just no, and this guy, Kevin Tobin, I actually play hockey with, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to find him for an article. Um, oh, really? Okay, I'm, I'm not sure if I can track him down for you, but yeah, you know, I, I, I totally know him, and he, he's done our hockey t-shirts, which is kind of fun, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 I am a big Kevin Tobin fan. I grew up reading these cartoons. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah it's great yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, the f first few I've gotten of me, I'm like, oh, not bad, not yeah. bad, you know, all right. Yeah. Do you keep them? I, I, I have some of them, and, and some, like, we're not going to show her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm the first one to, to embrace satire, right? I, I just love it. Oh, yeah, awesome. it's good. Excellent. If okay. I can't take a joke, then my, you probably shouldn't be a politician. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be a running theme in this campaign. So <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. All right. So is, is it time to go make shawarma? I think yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for sitting Thank down you. to talk with us. Good. This has been pretty enlightening, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, there's lots of things that I, um, your answers, some of your answers really surprised me. Oh, so oh that, good. Yeah. Excellent. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and the, the NDP are taking the wheels off the, uh, the, the bike, right? Yeah, We're taking the training wheels yeah, off the bike. Totally. I think now you're an ATV. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can go up hills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> thanks so much for coming and having this candid conversation. I mean, I, I, I like this. It's casual and it's it's enjoyable and and that's where you get those interesting little nuggets for sure. Perfect. Right. Awesome. Thank yeah, you so thank much. You. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Deadly, here you go. Yes. <laughs>